G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Sometimes the bond between Christians can be closer than what we call a family. The word family speaks of closeness, unity and mutual concern. Coming up today, Pastor Greg Laurie says believers have the privilege of being in God's family. Jesus says, anyone who does the will of my father is my brother and sister and mother. Reminding us that when you become a Christian, you become a part of a new family. This is the day when the lost are found. In essence, believers are part of two families. We're part of our earthly families and we're part of the family of God. And there are privileges and responsibilities that go with both. Today in A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out how it's sometimes difficult to share about our faith with our earthly family. Sometimes one family doesn't want to hear about the other. Today, some good insights on what God expects of us within those important earthly relationships. a family of some kind. Some families are big and loud. Some families are small and quiet. Pretty much every family is, I would say, generally dysfunctional. Uh, If your family's a bit weird, welcome to the club. We all have strange uncles and weird cousins. Did it ever occur to you that you're the weird cousin or you're the strange uncle in your family? You probably are. Every family has its form of dysfunction. I came from a dysfunctional family. Now I'm the head of a dysfunctional family. It was comedian George Burns who once said, and I quote, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city, end quote. So you can probably relate to that. Guess what? Jesus had a family too. He had a mother named Mary and a father named God. Top that. Jesus also had brothers and sisters, and Jesus had a childhood, a mysterious childhood, no doubt. After all, there's never been a man who has ever walked the earth that was fully God and fully man. He was not a man becoming God, that's impossible. He was God who became a man. And I would think he was the model child. I mean, if Joseph asked Jesus to go do some work in the carpentry shop, I doubt he would get a complaint. If Mary asked Jesus to clear the table, I'm sure he did it cheerfully. I'm confident that when they went down to the synagogue to worship, Jesus totally engaged. I know he loved to hear the word of God. I know that he was the perfect child. In fact, 
we know that his siblings were probably challenged by that. Can you imagine a Mary saying to the brothers and sisters of Jesus, kids, why can't you be more like your older brother, Jesus? They might say, mommy, he's like perfect, actually. Well, he was indeed perfect. He was the perfect son. Well, now he's beginning his public ministry as recorded in the Gospel of Mark. And remember, Mark is a gospel of action. The word immediately is used over and over again. Jesus is on the move. Jesus is healing people. Jesus is delivering people from demonic possession. Jesus is forgiving sins. And he has been confirmed by his father at the baptism when the father says of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus in the form of a dove. So question, how does the biological family of Jesus respond to all of this? How does Mary respond? How do the other siblings respond? That brings us to our text, Mark chapter three, verse 20 to verse 21. One time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away, saying, he's out of his mind. Wait, what? He's doing all these miracles. He's busy doing the work of the Father. And his family shows up and they want to take him back home because they say he's out of his mind. This brings us to point number one. The hardest people to reach with the gospel are those who are closest to you. The hardest people to reach with the gospel are your parents or your children or your husband or your wife or your brothers or your sisters. Now, sometimes people will say the reason I'm not a Christian is because I, this follower of Christ was a hypocrite. Do you think Christ was ever a hypocrite? Do you think he ever said or did anything that was inconsistent with who he was? Well, of course, the answer is no. He was the perfect example. Yet they still did not believe in him. In fact, we even read that Jesus could do no miracle in his hometown of Nazareth because of the unbelief of the people. And Jesus himself said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. So be patient with your family. You may think because I'm a preacher that all of my family believed immediately. The fact of the matter is, is my mom uh, was not responsive to me when I first came to Christ. Now I have to admit, I probably was a bit on the overkill side and I hit her with both barrels of my gospel gun telling her she needed to repent of her sins. But it took not just years, it took decades for my mother to come around and believe in Jesus Christ. And in fact, she did not really come to believe in him until the end of her life. And the same was true of her husband, Bill, who I tried to reach with the gospel. I didn't really reach him until the very end of his life. So again, the hardest people to reach are those in your family. Let me say a word to you if you're married to a non-believer, especially if you're a woman, and maybe you came to Christ and your husband has not come to Christ yet. And you're saying, how do I reach him? I'll preach a sermon to him every day. I'll put little gospel tracks in his sandwiches and when he has lunch, he'll bite into them and that'll reach him. No, actually what you need to do is probably not give him any more sermons. You need to just live it 
First Peter chapter three talks about the way to reach a non-believing person is not by your words, but by living the word. As one translation puts it, the silent preaching of a lovely wife. So there comes a point where they don't need more sermons and need to see it demonstrated. But now as our story progresses, we see the family of Jesus showing up again. Now I'm not sure what happened to bring this event about, but they let him know that they were there and maybe they wanted special attention or a better seat in the house or whatever it was. But word came to Jesus, your family are here to visit with you. And we read in Mark chapter three, verse 31, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. And there was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. And listen to this response of Christ. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those who were around him and he said, this is my mother. These are my brothers and sisters. In fact, anyone who does the will of my father is my brother and sister and mother. Bringing us to point number two. When we become Christians, we're placed in a new family. Jesus could have elevated his mother at that point or even his siblings, but he's saying, hey, who is my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? Those that do the will of God. Reminding us that when you become a Christian, you become a part of a new family. Now, that doesn't mean you're not still part of your biological family, but sometimes the bond between Christians can be closer than what we call the blood bond. We say that we're related by blood. But when we become followers of Jesus, are we not also related by blood? the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for all of our sin. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. He's the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. And today we're talking about family relationships. Pastor Greg continues the study now from his series, The Gospel for Busy People. Jesus now establishes his new family of disciples. So we're going to read a list of the men that he used to change the world. Some are familiar names, others not as familiar. But uh, as we look at these people, we see they had such diverse personalities. We see these people because we recognize them. They're probably like relatives we already have. An eclectic bunch, no doubt about it. But these are the ones that Jesus called. Mark chapter three, verse 16. Now he appointed Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boagenes, which means sons of thunder. There was Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed them. So right at the top of the list, a very familiar name, Simon Peter. Apart from Jesus himself, no other name is mentioned in the New Testament more than Simon Peter. He was a central figure of Jesus' three years of ministry and also for the first three years of the early church. And Jesus spent more time with Peter than anybody else. Another thing I would point out, no other person speaks as often or is spoken to as often as Simon Peter. (laughs) I might also add, no other disciple is reproved and corrected as often as Simon Peter was. See, 
what distinguished Peter from others is he would just say what he was thinking. You know how you have inside thoughts and outside thoughts and you veto a lot of things you think about and don't say them. Peter seemed to just blurt out whatever he was thinking. You always knew you, where you stood with a big fisherman. I think he always meant well. He just didn't think things through. So if we were to compare this to a family reunion, uh, Peter's sort of like your lovable, loud uncle who will hold court, you know, after the meal, telling great stories and entertaining everybody. That was Peter, very outspoken. And uh, on one occasion, he made this amazing statement to Jesus. He said in Matthew 19, 27 to Christ, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be there for us? In other words, he's saying, hey, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. What's in it? For us, I mean, what a thing to just blurt out. But that was Peter. He thought it, so he thought, I'm just going to say it. One of the most familiar statements of Peter speaking is uh, when Jesus was transfigured. Here's Jesus Christ shining like the sun. On one side of him is Moses. On the other side of him is Elijah. And they're having a conversation. Now this is what we would call a holy moment. This is one of those times where you say nothing. You just take it in. You just observe it. But Peter thought it would be a, a good moment to say a few words. So he says out loud, it's good we are here. Let's build three tents, one for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And one of the gospel tells us this he said because he did not know what to say. <laughs> hey, here's a thought. When you don't know what to say, don't say anything. There's an old proverb, it's not a biblical one, but it has some truth in it, which basically says, when you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Because it's better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and dispel all doubt. <laughs> well, Peter blurted that out. You almost wonder if uh, Moses turned to Jesus and said, who, who is that guy? Is he with you? Yeah, it's... Simon Peter, he gets a little excited, you know. It's good we are here, Peter blurts out. On another occasion, Jesus revealed to Peter the fact that he was going to be martyred for his faith. Peter immediately pivots over to John and says, well, what about this man? In other words, okay, I'm going to be martyred. I'm not sure I'm real excited about that. What about him? And Jesus gives an amazing response. He says, if I choose to keep him alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Am I speaking to somebody right now that has just wondered why their life has gone the way it's gone? Maybe you've looked at somebody else's life and you've said, Lord, why, why are they being blessed more than I'm being blessed? Or why did this tragedy befall me? Or why are these things happening? And here's the response of Christ to you. What is that to you? You just follow me. Listen, Peter was not only inquisitive, he had initiative. On one occasion, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And uh, Peter says, uh, well, they say a lot of things, but I'll tell you who I think you are. And Jesus said, okay, go ahead. He says, I think you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter, but my father who is in heaven. And then he says, your name is Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Not on Peter, of course, but on the statement that Peter made, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. The church is not built on the foundation of Simon Peter. God help us if it is. The church is built on Christ himself, the chief cornerstone, but Peter got it right. 
And then Jesus went on to talk about the fact that he was going to be betrayed and crucified. And Peter begins to rebuke Jesus right to his face. He rebukes him saying, be that far from you, Lord. And, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you do not understand the things of God. So on one hand, Peter was being led by the Father in what he said. And on the other hand, the devil got in the details and he made that statement discouraging Christ from going to the crucifixion. Flawed character, yes. According to church tradition, Peter did die the death of a martyr. And according to church tradition, Peter was crucified upside down. But he was faithful to the end. Oh sure, he denied the Lord. But he was there with Jesus in the last hours of his earthly ministry along with the apostle John. And though he had his lapse and his setback, he also had his mega comeback when Jesus recommissioned him again. Yeah, he was part of God's family. And then we have Andrew, the brother of Peter. They couldn't be any more different. If uh, Peter was like your loud uncle at the family reunion, Andrew's like the quiet cousin. While Peter's talking, Andrew's clearing the table and working behind the scenes. In fact, it was actually Andrew who brought his brother Peter to Jesus. In John 1.41, we read, the first thing Andrew did after he realized that Jesus was the Messiah was he brought his brother Peter and he said to him, we found the Messiah and he brought him to Jesus. And that's what Andrew was always doing bringing people to Jesus. And what a great thing to be known for, bringing people to Jesus. You remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and the people were hungry and they didn't know what to do. And Andrew went and found a little boy with some loaves and fishes and he brought him to Jesus. And you know, we give a lot of attention to the Simon Peters of the world, but we must not forget the fact that there are also the Andrews. Remember, if there were no Andrews, there would be no Simon Peters, people that work faithfully and quietly behind the scene. Today in A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie has been discussing family relationships, our earthly family matters and our heavenly family matters. The next time he assures us that God can handle even our toughest questions and we shouldn't be afraid to bring them to him. Pastor Greg says you're not alone if you've ever questioned your faith and have ever had uncertainty. More on that next time. Hope you can join us on A New Beginning. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called A New Kind of Family. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.